Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to a very special salt talk. On today's talk, we're going to be having a very special young man, Ife Dotun Olariwaju. He is a young man that wrote the last review that I shared um, on Uluwashola, the story of us. Um, my book that, uh, that just came out he wrote an amazing review and he he actually called me through his mom and he, he wanted to ask me a whole bunch of questions and I said you know what why not bring him on a salt talk so that we can he can ask his questions and then um, I can share it with you all so um, I'm gonna be having him on in a little bit so I hope you hang around just um, don't touch the dial. Keep on listening. I will be right back after this time out. Thank you so much for joining. See you in a bit. Hi, Fedotun. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, morning, welcome. Morning, thank you for having me. Excellent. So, ladies and gentlemen, he's here. Fedotun or Larry Waju. And we'd like to just welcome you, Fedotun, to the Salt Talks on Anchor podcast. Thank you for joining us. And of course, thanks to mom and dad for giving us the all clear. So before you put me on the hot seat, I'm sure um, many of the listeners would like to get to know you a little bit. So how about you tell us a, a bit about yourself and how we have come to this day? How did you connect with me and all of that? Just give them a bit of a background. Okay, yeah, sure. So um, my name is Fair. Um, I'm 16. And, um, you know, quarantine, I really had um nothing to do so i was um i have this like i, I saw my dad reading 
um your book and i have this like list of this stack of um of african literature books so that's mainly what i read and i was going to um just take a look put it at like the bottom of stack that means i would have read it in like june or something or something <laughs> just told me that i should read it now and so i read it i finished it in one and um i was like i, I told my dad that i really liked the book and he told me that you knew um, my mom and so mm-hmm. oh i would like to speak um to you and we spoke and then you said you asked me if i could come on your podcast yeah yeah indeed i did because i was intrigued i was telling some of my friends that some of the questions you were asking me i was even struggling to answer them i wasn't even sure that i was like is this child 16 or am i being punked i was like what's going on here you know so that was really how we met and, and i'm grateful thank you for reading oluwashola the story of us your review is causing so much like feedback or bringing so much feedback on my social media hand- handles people do not believe that you are 16 so that was one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on to confirm that indeed you are you are 16 years old but you just have a an amazing grasp for for the english language clearly and your review um goes way beyond your depth so I'm, one of my questions is to ask you how that has happened but let's 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 leave that for later and um so let's let me let me give you the the microphone so you can fire away with your questions okay so um i wrote them down okay okay too many so the first one was um i really wanted you to walk me through the process of how this book came about deciding that you had to write this book publishing or was all of that like okay great that's a great question so actually the 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 thought that I was going to write this book came about i think sometime in the middle of 2017 as uh you can as you can imagine my my sister shortly died in december 2016 so at that point i was like in the very early stages of my grieving i think you know and um i i had so much going on in my head but i was trying to listen to god very clearly as to how i was going to navigate the my grief journey you know and one of the things that came up at some point was um I think it's kind of like an extension of the part that I uh, the fact that I was a blogger so I had just felt that there was so much that I would have wanted to you know tell Shirley that I didn't get a chance to tell her and I was going through those motions and I just it just dropped in my heart that hey you know that somebody has left their physical body to go on to the other side of eternity does not mean that you cannot still communicate with them and since one, one of the ways i express my voice is by writing then instead of dwelling on the grief of oh i wish i had then why not just do something about it and write this write a letter to her in the form of a book and then i knew that because nothing that we go through is wasted it wasn't just about me writing to Shirley it wasn't just about me and my own healing journey it was also about how it can help other people because i believe that any any purpose worth its salt must be about the people must be about the people if god is giving us the purpose it will never be something that is just all about us 
it will always be something that will touch people so that's how the um, idea that I was going to write a book came about but it was really difficult as you can imagine you've read the books and you know what I put in there it was a difficult journey at some point I couldn't even write it anymore myself I had to actually dictate it out and find somebody that I could trust to type out my words for me because every time I would start writing you know I would just shut my laptop you know in tears so but eventually I did finish the book and I thank God for that and then I had a, a great publisher Verbatim Communications um, to hand over um, what was I think is the most important book of my life to to publish it so I self-published you know so I didn't go the traditional routes because I think you know if you have something to say you have to say it and thank God for self-publishing you don't have to wait for anybody to say you know I approve of your book I think it will sell blah 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 for me it's not about sales it's not about marketing and it's not it's not that it's just something I have to get out of me for myself for my sister and for the world anybody who would be blessed by the book and so we self-published the book and it was published in um, uh, in February uh, we, we went live in February 2020 and here we are today so in a nutshell that's it, it, it a, a very that's a summary of a, quite a long process that took three years. Um, yeah, I hope that answers your question a little bit. Yes, it does. And um, reading this book, um, it just felt very raw. And it felt like um, you were, like I said in my review, um, even years after, you're only starting to lick your wounds. And in this book, you take us through the process of grieving and healing. So would you say that um, revisiting old memories, it was reopening wounds, was that counterproductive to the healing process in any way? What an awesome question. I, I really love that phrase in your review when you said, I'm only just coming to terms with licking my wounds because you, you were so right. You know, um, I don't think it was counterproductive. Sometimes you have to open all those wounds because it's just a scab covering a, a wound that is still there. So, and that was why I was crying all the time when I was writing in some of the places because clearly they had not healed properly. I had just put something over them all through the years thinking that yeah okay fine I was okay but clearly not so so going back to kind of like reopen them and then you know wash the wound out because there was clearly all kinds of things festering in there washed clean the wound out you know through my openness through my authenticity you know has now cleaned up those wounds there and now the healing of all those past wounds is now going properly so and the journey still continues if I honestly but I don't feel that heaviness you know of, of of something that i'm carrying on with me i felt so light when i sent off the manuscript to uh to bitemi mcmordi that's my publisher i i how the lightness i felt was what told me how much of those burdens i was still carrying i didn't even know and many of us we don't really know and that's why this book in one way is encouraging people to really go back you know and revisit those things that hurt them and really go through the healing process whatever they need to do to start that healthy healing process for themselves that they should ask god to show it to them for me in my case it was going back so that i could move forward sometimes you have to retreat to advance you grab mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, another thing in the book is you delve into the oddity of the human psyche and how these seemingly unimportant and um, ephemeral memories that transpire between parents and the children actually have um, lasting effects on the children. And so what is your advice to 
um, starting off parents or maybe even parents who think they've already created negative memories with their children? Well, you know, I think that's one of my key messages from this because, like, you know, I remember I said to you even our initial chat that even I was surprised about the memories I had from way so young, like maybe those were like two, three, I mean, four, five. So for parents, I would say, if you know, if you sit down with yourself and your God and look back on what you, you know, you think may have, quote unquote, marked your children, or even some of them who are older may have given you some feedback, then, so don't go to the children and say, oh, you know, and bring back the bad memories, but ask God to help you so that you can forgive yourself, first of all, for that, and then ask him to give you the grace to now make it, make it better going forward, you know, and be intentional about spending time with your children and creating memories with them, you know, that they will take on into their adult lives and beyond. But you have to do it in an authentic way. So it can't be calculative or uh -huh. it has to be flow. But when, when, if you express that desire to God as a parent, God is the best parent in the world. So if you express that desire to God, and look, I want to parent these children you have given me because really all our children belong to God. You belong to God. Mom and dad are just your guardian. Same thing for my my children and we're just god appointed guardians to them if he knows your heart for them then he will enable you to authentically begin to live a life that creates those memories for your children going forward is just to ask god for it and then also and i know i said something about don't go to your children to apologize if the things you've done are deep deep things that you know that you have done to hurt the children if you are sincere then please then call them and apologize be big enough to apologize for those things ask for their forgiveness and go forward from there i think there's so much pride you know in in us as human beings whether you're a parent or you're a, an adult child we have to let go of pride for this kind of the, the kind of love that i'm hoping we all have in our families which flows from god to work in our families if once we're operating from a point of god's love these things kind of happen naturally i tell you and i think um the same thing applies to like friendships and even just people that you've hurt in your everyday life and just absolutely big enough to um, own up to what you've done to them absolutely you're spot on if i don't so anyone who's listening now this is the good time to think about all those friendships that are cracked or uh, are strained or whatever and just let it go life is too short that's one of my mantras you know hashtag life is too short whatever you can think about now that if that person was dying or you were dying that it will no longer matter now is the time to let it go if it won't matter then that means it doesn't really matter now Great. So um, one of my favorite parts of the book is when you talk about how you were the only Yoruba girl in your year, which I found surprising <laughs> because, you know, Yoruba yeah. people are everywhere. But what kind, everywhere of, right? what kind of discrimination did you face from being Yoruba and were there stereotypes there were? How did you unchain yourself from the stereotype? you know i don't think it was discrimination on the part of the university i just think it was in uyo now if i don't know how many yoruba people do you know would go there if they were there it was probably for trade and business but not to study so i think while i was there it changed later on but while i was there um i was the only yoruba girl in my year that was year one and then there was another Yoruba guy but he was a year ahead of me in year two and as far as I remember I wasn't discriminated on directly 
it was me who had the feeling that I I was strange. You know, it was all on me. You know, and the only thing I felt was when I started dating my then boyfriend, who is now my husband. I just felt, and I, look, nobody said anything to me to my face. I just felt that that was what was being thought. You know, because and um, that oh, you know, this guy is from our side. Why has he gone? you know all the way to go and look for a girlfriend um, who is Yoruba when there's all these fine fine Nibibio girls you know with their light complexion and their their <laughs> you know all of that so it was all in my head which I think happens to many of us I can't remember anything that stood out as you know ad, you know overt discrimination against me I think at that time I was my own worst enemy um, and uh, God had to deliver me from that all by himself you know if not uh, it would have followed me into adulthood which it did to, to, uh, to some extent but I, I thank God for where I am now in my journey so you know it, to all my my ladies from and um, friends from you know your home who might listen to this you guys were all right you know you didn't you, you didn't never held my robustness against me it was okay. just all in my head <laughs> okay it was in my head so um when we spoke before and i asked you mm-hmm. i asked you this question but i think your answer was so insightful that i think um you should say what you said here the question was um about patriarchal society construct and mm. um how only God can help us avoid these structures, as you said in your book. And many people would actually mm. argue that a lot of systemic sexism is gotten from the Bible. And um, mm. because, you know, people say Adam and Eve, Adam was made first, and um, they use that to justify mm. sexism. And so, as a Christian, you, you really lead with your Christian identity in this book. How do you reconcile the concept of gender equality with the part of the Bible that say things like wives submit to your husbands, etc.? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so happy that you said I answered that question well because when I dropped the phone from you, I was like, hmm, I hope I really did justice to that answer for you. So, let me try and, and, and say to, to the listeners what I, what I said to you. So, in my view, I remember the first thing I said was, you know, that term feminist, I think the more, so, you know, because of the way the world is today, I agree, everybody has got to be feminist because we need to fight for the woman. But I really would prefer for that term to disappear because that would mean that we no longer have that problem. Everybody would just be a quote-unquote humanist. We all want what is best for every human being, regardless of their gender. So that's on one side. So contrary to what I said to you then, that I said, look, I don't consider myself to be a feminist. In retrospect, because of the times we're in, I better be because I have to fight for myself, for my daughter, for my granddaughters, for my nieces because of the way the world is in an ideal world that term will not be necessary now back to um the whole thing about you know women be you know submit to their husbands if we go back to the to the to the beginning of all times when god created adam adam was the only thing only creature only thing that god created and he said this is not good and why was it not good because he felt that adam needed someone to help him if you are bringing someone to help somebody that means that person is not over you if the person needs help or just you automatically that means that the person being brought to help the person is clearly on a higher level than the person that needs help right Mm -hmm. so when people kind of miss it that oh because the person is the helper means the person is uh, the the weaker or the inferior person helping somebody that is already stronger in my view no but i'm not even saying that god brought me as a woman to because I'm, I'm at a higher level to come and help my husband who is at a lower level. No, God brought me 
through him so that together we can succeed so nobody is higher than the other and that's why even the, there's a scripture there that we, when you read the scripture it says god created them men and women they them were the same in his image were created in his image the same but he created one same man one same female none was higher than the other so that's number 2 level so for me it's not about that and then also look at it now let's give the analogy of if somebody is like somebody who has who is sick and god brings the and, and then they they bring a cure for the sickness how is the cure for the sickness weaker than the person who needs the cure come on you know <laughs> it, 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 no you know so then we now go to the, the scripture in the new testament about you no know, you know husbands love your wife as christ loved the church and then wives submit to your husband ah uh, okay yes but if the husband and the wife are both operating from a place where they know that god loves them as the same and if indeed jesus is loving his if, if if indeed the husband is loving his wife as christ loved the church the woman's submission is it will flow to be an easy thing and the husband if you are going to love me as you love yourself which is what the bible also says separate from loving me as you love the church because the bible says we should love our neighbor as we love yourself your wife is your closest neighbor you know you are not blood yeah you, you don't have the same blood flowing through you so as a neighbor you just happen to have married a neighbor and you're living in the same house so that love you don't will you mistreat yourself would you lodge yourself around would you ask yourself to do things that are beneath you all in the name of i am the authoritarian i am the priest of the home no see even jesus christ never asked the disciples to do anything he wasn't ready to do he didn't lord it over them so when if you love your wife as god intends uh uh-uh, the submission will come from a wife very very easily there's no, there will be no stress i remember in my last book that i need to get to you and your mom um the the, the the true confessions i had some fables in there they were like you no know, story t- stories but like talking about real life issues and i said the way god wants to love god wants us to love ourselves is like a circle it's like a circle nobody is trying every, each each person is chasing the other so the husband and the wife are chasing themselves trying to outdo themselves in love if a if a wife feels loved like that by a husband that word submission even becomes it, it becomes redundant because there is no need because the love of the husband is pushing her to want to love him as well and in that love that both trying to outdo each other in love nothing will be grievous to the other person so that's the way i see it but you know because of society and culture and people have turned the bible upside down even in the church you know the way they preach that submission thing you know it just is it's just twisted i think so the husband for me a husband and a wife must individually and together go into the word of god themselves and download from god his will for their lives um, and and live that and live that out in in their marriages that is that is only way it, it, it can work out but because the way the world is is today i think the onus is even more on the wife to better go and hear what god wants for her if not she will be reduced to nothing in that marriage and it will just not be a happy situation for herself or children if they're involved and even the husband because a husband then loses out on all the blessings that he should have gotten from uh, from from his wife and that was very well put um i think a lot of another a huge part of the struggles that um women face are these predatory structures that are set up against them in the workplace in everyday yeah. life everywhere 
um, talking about point. those um, predatory structures, it was absolutely gut-wrenching when you talked about your sexual abuse and how it was so hard for you to metabolize what happened mm-hmm. to you. So how does how does mm-hmm. one even begin to heal from that kind of thing? Hmm. That's a hard question. But that's why I thank God for God and the Holy Spirit, to be honest, because I think through my life, one thing I've seen is that I know that I know that I know that the Holy Spirit of God is real because there is no way anybody can come out of those situations and begin a process of healing without the Spirit of God that is our, our healer and our comforter walking in us. There's no shrink. There's no psychiatrist. There's no drug. There's no positive speaking. There is no affirmation that can begin to walk you through going through those kind of um, situations in your life, you know. And then on top of that, you imagine going through that, and then you you marry, and then God forbid you're having problems with your husband, and then you're trying to go away, and you try to get a passport, and they're telling you you have to have a letter from your husband, the same husband who is putting you through stress to approve for you to get the passport. But how is that going to work? How is it that you know we have structures in place that are like that, and there are many more like that all over the over, all over the place? So you can imagine if you're facing that situation, you're a woman facing that situation, it's almost as if the world itself is doesn't want you to be free from your past because here you are you were abused by men in the past you're trying to get past that and then you're now trying to help yourself and the same quote-unquote men of the world have put in place a rule where you can't even free yourself who do you go to who do you talk to yeah there's so many people around that what you can talk to coaches and all but if you're a christian or a person of faith at the end of the day you have to be God that you go to that will heal you in my case that was it but it took a long time of me no not even knowing to ask God thinking you know that look I just claim it is well it is well it is well I am healed I am healed but you know and then all of all of a sudden magically you'll be well Mm-mm. dear sisters if you're listening to me or even men you know I, I don't want to make it look as if it's only women who are suffering there are guys as well who are suffering but just that the proportion is skewed in is skewed in, on the side of the woman we have to go to jesus we have to go and sit with god and bear our hearts to him and ask him to come in and heal us and that is kind of what i, I did knowingly or unknowingly through the years until i came to a point where i was intentional about it because i wanted to be free and especially i wanted that that i wanted that to be my, part of my past that would not cross over into my future that is into the lives of my children in any way shape or form and i think the first time i had that aha moment that look if i didn't draw the line these things kind of like they replay themselves even in the bible throughout you see same things going from one generation to the other and i didn't want that at all i think that was when i had one of my clearest um, aha moments and i became a bit intentional about seeking God. and like you said it applies to men too Um, society has a way of telling yeah um telling men that like um, they haven't been abused and that abuse is only abuse can only happen Mm -hmm. from a man to a woman I think it's very important that you highlight the toxic relationship, which is the perfect segue into my next question because you use Shola's story as cautionary tale and um, the paradigm of the importance of being sure about the person you um, are married to. Um, and it's, it's a very timely study on the dangers of toxic relationships. I just wanted to ask, even outside of just the marriage, how does Shola's story apply to the general public? 
So I think the, for me, my key focus was really on 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 on, a, on the marriage uh, marriage relationship. But thinking about your question now, if I use that story, mm, what what I would say is, if you're married, if you're the female, Shola's story teaches me that you must have somebody who is your friend or another relative that you have a, a close enough relationship with to share everything with. Honestly, if I don't and that's one of the things that I it took me quite a while to just let go of because I actually thought that that was the kind of relationship I had with my sister. So like I wondered that but why, why if something was wrong, did she not feel comfortable enough to share with me? And the only way I could free myself, I have to confess, was saying that because she loved her husband so much, she did not want me to see him in a bad light. That's the only way I could free myself because thinking that it was because she didn't, she didn't, okay. she couldn't be honest with me enough would would have been really painful. And I I I I I, I base my conclusion on the fact that we talked about so many other very personal and private things. That's so telling me that uh, uh, well, this guy is like his mind, his head is not correct, or sometimes he does this or he does that. Would, should have been part of what she could have told me but she couldn't and so I, I i stand by my story that it was because she did not want to portray him in that bad light and she thought perhaps it would change like many people do so outside of the marriage relationship shola's story teaches us that we have to have trusted people on the outside that know what's going on with us in our marriage so that god forbid if anything happens there's somebody that can speak for you you know in your relationships yeah and also i think what it teaches us as well is if because I'm, I'm not saying you know which you know, i have to confess i would prefer but i'm not saying don't marry outside of your your culture or your you know your own tribe or whatever but i'm saying if you do and especially if you're going to be living outside of your country of birth with this person you have to make sure they come home you must come home and let them know because what happens there's a lot of ignorance out there whether we like it or not about our culture and our tight bonds as africans especially as nigerians that if you don't let the people see that they will go away like i believe my sister's um, in family in law did thinking that you dropped from the sky and nobody will look for you nobody will care for me care for you especially if you're a family who doesn't have the opportunity to go over there and visit them and let them see that look this person came from somewhere this our daughter came from somewhere this our son came from somewhere we are his family we have his back so i think you know that is the way i will answer your question for now but i'll still give it some thoughts and see if there's anything else i can see Okay, Same. so moving on to um, brighter things, let's talk mm-hmm. about the foundation you set up <laughs> in your sister's week and what good do you want to come out of that foundation? Oh, what good is God bringing out of the Shirley Smile Factory, Fedotu? It's already happening. And that was another um, gold nugget that God brought out from the pain. Because everybody, guys, your pain can bring forth purpose no matter what it is. So that foundation, we kicked off in April 2017, even before we had registered with the it as an NGO officially, just helping um, young ladies, you know, who needed, uh, who needed a bit of financial support, you know, um, in their daily lives i think in in that first year we had like about 
um, nine to, I can't remember, I think we started with nine and ended the year with about 16 young ladies and families who were like on monthly allowances from the foundation. Um, last year 20 i know 20 between 2018 and 2019 we had we had we gave our first scholarship um because Shirley was into the arts so i was uh we leaned towards people who needed help going to school to study like music or things like that so that was our first scholarship she's she's still in school you know so we'll I would love for us to be able to do more of that. And even in this season, we're doing that now, especially because of, 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 of um, the coronavirus thing. We're having a Buy Shirley's Book, Touch Lives Challenge. So people who buy the book between now and the 1st of May, actually the, the proceeds for that book they buy are going to people who I know who are on our list in, in the foundation who need help during this time, you know. So they get the, it's a win-win. They get the book and the, the, the family they help gets the, the, the money for the book and they get to know that they are helping somebody they're being an, an expression of God's love so I, that's that's my desire I'm a very simple-minded person you know our, our structures our policies are very simple we treat people with the utmost respect we don't make them feel like you know they're being you no know, dished out you no know, no the way we do the the, the 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 funding or the allowances it's almost like they're a member of the family and you know their father in heaven is giving them a monthly allowance with the utmost respect and to just make them feel loved you know and to put smiles on their face that is the the motto of of, of the foundation you know, to, to make the society a happier place, one smile at a time, because Shirley has the best smile ever, you know, so it's more of that we want to do, and then we, and more of um, the events that we hold, you know, you know our culture, people don't grieve well, people don't express their grief, because we're basically a, a hugely Christian society, so it's like, you know, the people think that if you express your, your, your grief or your pain, then you're denying your faith in a way, so we have the... Um, the Shirley Rising events, you know, that we hold every September um, to give people a, a, a safe space to come and talk about their grief, but not just talk about the grief and marinate in it, but talk about the grief and then show people how they are coming out of it. They haven't come out oh, completely, but at least they are coming out of it. For many people that attend, it's actually just the first step in accepting that, okay, I was hurt. I admit I was hurt. I release the people who hurt me so that I can move forward. Releasing people is not about the person who hurts you. It's for yourself. And that's kind of like what those rising events are. So the foundation is all set to just keep on doing more of that and it's really um, brought a lot of healing to me and just more focus to my life and I think you know Shirley has blessed me in in her leaving she has done so much for me even in my own growth as a person and in giving me these things to do which I was not doing before so she just added so much richness to my life and just continue to trust God to show me you know how how what other ways we're going to be doing that uh, as we go on so I think it's amazing that you're trying to bring um, something good out of this situation and I pray that um, the foundation goes to new heights Amen, thank you so much can you believe we talked for over 30 minutes <laughs> oh wow so I have, this is my final wow. question since oh, awesome. so if you could All describe right, this book ahead. in three words what would it be? In three words, in three words, in three words, healing, redemption, my, so healing, 
redemption treasure healing it was healing for my soul it was redemption from all the things that i thought that i i didn't tell shirley and it's a treasure for me the book personally for me even if i didn't sell one copy just having that book in my in, in my hands i know it will be there for my children my grandchildren to read at some point is is such a treasure to me so i think those will be my three words great so um i'm out of question have you thought that yeah <laughs> i thought we would go to like one hour or something <laughs> I know, no, but it's your turn now. We've done 30 uh. minutes was for me. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave the listeners to try to listen to it in like two parts if it's too long for them. But I want to believe that it was a fun talk and people would, would listen, will stay here with us and listen, you know, mm-hmm. when it goes. So, but thank you so much well, for your you questions, for you know. Um, no, no, but now I'm putting you on the hot seat, <laughs> young man. <laughs> So listen, people don't believe you're 16, oh, I tell you. So, and, and I think one of the reasons is because you have such an awesome grasp of, of, of the English language. So can you tell us, how, how did that happen? You know, how did you come to get this grasp of, of, of to be able to you know, use the English language in a way that it was me sometimes. I think I had to go use the dictionary to check out like 10 words in your review. But eh, what is he saying? <laughs> So tell us, because I'm sure parents want to know, and even some younger people who are listening will want to know. Well, okay, um, so I wasn't actually, um, if I wasn't huge on reading, actually, um, I could never really identify with the material in books, and then that's when um, I discovered African literature, and I think it's, for me it's the importance of reading, because there is a book for everyone. If someone mm-hmm. says they don't like reading, probably haven't found the genre that they like mm-hmm. yet because there's, there's actually like, for everyone yeah. and you um if you just go out and discover and read new genres you'll find something that you get inside with and so reading african literature um chimamanda and um chimachi mm-hmm. and i would just because mm-hmm. i could see you know characters that were like me and so i just read those more and picked up a lot of words from there and also um, yeah, I'm very um, big on um, learning about social inequality, and so just getting the vocabulary okay. to discuss these issues and um, to put these issues because they're usually so hard to articulate, uh, especially if you don't, um, especially mm-hmm. if you haven't lived the experience. And so, in the so old, just getting the words wow. to describe this to people who haven't live the experience of what it means to be uh, black or what it means to be um, like in a minority it was uh, very that's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Like one of my friends says, your your parents money no loss. All the fees they paid on your head have <laughs> been well spent. So what book are you reading right now? Or what? Because you said you had like how many yes. books? A pile of books. So what um, I'm reading Who Fears Death by Neji Okorafo. Wow. Okay. Is she not the lady who does the African like um? She has a mix. Her genre yes, is mixed with like fiction and like 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 an yeah. african kind of like uh and what's that book that i say you can't read what jk rowling's book 
uh-huh, like Harry Potter-ish kind of. No, 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 no. Sorry, I just was asking my son a question here as well. Okay, because I think, is she not the one who wrote the book about the girl who's Yes, egg- that's, that's. Uh-huh, okay. I couldn't take that book in, so you're stronger <laughs> than me. <laughs> okay, so um, what's my other question is, okay, so how are you keeping busy? What, what, how are you keeping busy doing this shot-in as a 16-year-old Nigerian or a 16-year-old? I mean, you're still a teenager. So most people are probably just like vegging, you know, with their, you know, their gadgets and all of that. But what's it like for you? What's your typical um, day like? So uh, a very creative person. I do lots of editing and so um, like I've been saying, this um, quarantine is very good for creators because you know usually with school, like during school, we don't have enough time to make anything. And so mm-hmm. I'm just um, really mm-hmm. working on my art and um, developing it. And so that's basically what I've been doing throughout this um, session. Okay, yeah. and reading, of course. Great stuff. So thanks, Ifedotun. Thanks for your time here with us on the Salt Talks uh, podcast. I'm really, I'm really excited about this talk, and I hope that it would go and 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 you know, reach a lot of people that can listen and get whatever it is that God intends for them to get from it. So I don't know if you have any final words on anything top of your mind that you would like to get out there into the world, because I believe everybody has a voice and everybody has a message. So what would what would be the message from Ifedotun Olarinwaju to the world today? Um. I think it's very important to never underestimate children and um, I think that we have a way of looking down on children and thinking that like in some homes they think that like children don't understand what's going on or like parents um, think mm-hmm. some parents think that children may not be like picking up on like fights mm. that they're having and they don't really know how like it shapes the child and so I think it's important just to see to um, acknowledge how smart children are and how much children see that's a great point especially now I think that is a now message because everybody is cooped up in their homes there is nowhere for anybody to escape to so thank you so much for sharing that Ifedo too and now my final question is something that I would like to build into this um, talk I don't know what genre of music you prefer but I don't know if you have a favorite song if you tell me the song and I can find it I'm going to use it as an outro for our talk when it goes live so what will what will be your favorite song or if, if it's gospel gospel or whatever genre you like so that will be kind of like my nod to you for being our second guest speaker on our this is our second ever guest chat we had one yesterday you are yours your show is going mm-hmm. to go live tomorrow so that will be the music that will play out what would your you think i won't find it i won't know it i'm old <laughs> Actually, like <laughs> my son is here saying yes, you're old. Um, okay, uh, use. Actually, don't know. This is a somehow this is harder than all the questions you've asked me before. Uh, <laughs> you're kidding! Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'll give you time. 
because while I'm still editing and putting this together, then you can tell okay, me sure. and I'll look for it. Okay, so I don't put you on the spot. Avi? <laughs> All right, Fredotu, thank you so much. People out there, I hope you had fun listening. I had so much fun with this young man. You know, there's so much life and hope. Um, when you talk to him, you have so much hope for the next generation. Ifedotun, I wish you all the best. And like many have said on my social media handles, I am sure we're going to be hearing about you thank in you. the future. So guys, thank you for joining us. Thank you, if This is our second ever guest chat um, on Salt Talks. And it just goes to show what God can bring out of this time. Who knew that we would be launching off these um, kind of talks during this season? But like I say, if you listen, God is speaking and telling you what you should be doing in these times. So bye, people. God bless you, Ifedotun. God bless everybody. Stay lifted and hold fast and to your saltiness. Book. Over. And buy the book. Thank you, my man. Thank you. <laughs> buy the book. Go and buy Shirley's book and touch your life today. Bye. Thank you, Ifedotun. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you.